Great to see everyone today. I'm glad you've ventured out on a cold and brisk day. It's good to be in the warmth of this fellowship and to worship our, our God and His holy name. He is present with us, and in that we, uh, we are eternally thankful. We uh, turn today to John 4. John 4 is uh, most famous for Christ's encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus, in, in that passage, um, from uh, that account from John chapter 4, gives us plenty of cues for reaching out to those who are around us, reaching out with the good news of the kingdom of God. Those things include uh, meeting people right where they are, not being shy about striking up a conversation, considering an, uh, the other person's needs, keeping on top topic when uh, the other person may, uh, may try to get us to, to stray to other subjects. And then, of course, uh, helping that person along to a decision. Well, as Jesus meets with the woman at the well, he refers in the mix of all of that to the living water he seeks to offer. Upon accepting that water, the woman was, was never again the same. When it came to reaching out, Jesus never missed an opportunity. He, he teaches us about such things by example. He teaches us that there are men and women all around us, thirsty for living water. What is needed are those that will offer it to them. On the heels of Christ's encounter with the woman at the well, Jesus has an encounter with his disciples, and that specifically is the passage we read today from John chapter 4. The focus shifts from water to food. How interesting. From water to to food. The disciples figured that Jesus had to be hungry from the journey he and his disciples were making from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north. And of course, we know that Samaria is there in the middle. Truth be told, as the disciples were asking Jesus about his hunger, it was probably the disciples who were the ones who were hungry. Rabbi, eat something, they said. Whereupon Jesus begins to, to talk the, about the fact that, that his food was essentially doing the will of his heavenly Father. Doing God's will was, was sustenance for Jesus. Think about that. It was Christ's very sustenance, doing the will of God. And may the same be true for each of us. Jesus went on then to talk about the, the, the sort of harvest that, uh, that comes from doing God's will, particularly when it comes to reaching out with the good news of the kingdom. Well, let's read about that. We read from John chapter 4, verses 27 through 38. Let's hear this from God's Word. Just then, the, His disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? 
Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to, to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to, to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it is still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and the other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. This then is God's Word, and may it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this Word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word. Winter is a great time to think about the rhythm of sowing and, and reaping. Winter gives us good perspective about such things. Here we are on this cold and, and frosty day at the end of what has been a, a, a cold and frosty week. We know that spring is not too far off. And with that, the, the rhythm of planting, growing, and harvesting will soon start again. And thinking about such things, we are reminded that, that sowing comes first and then reaping. It is clear from Scripture that Jesus expected His disciples not only to sow the seeds of the kingdom, but to harvest the results of that, sowing and reaping. If anything, the Scripture we've been studying from, from Matthew 13 the past month bears this out, this stuff of, of sowing and reaping. Even as we've talked about soils, as we've talked about the, the generous uh, sower, as we've talked about uh, reaping the, the harvest, the good harvest of the, of the kingdom, we have learned that that God so longs for us to be a part of not only sowing, but also reaping. Paul writes about such things in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8. He, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God made it grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. When it comes to the harvest of God's kingdom, the time for sowing and reaping is upon us. 
And when we say it, it is upon us, that means you and it means me. In our passage for today, Jesus speaks about the, the harvest. He says, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. And the question comes to, to each of us as we consider that field being ripe for the harvest. What are the opportunities for outreach around you? And even more importantly, are you seizing the opportunities and trying to meet them? Those are two questions that become uh, critical to our life as, as, as faithful Christians. What are the opportunities around us, and are we faithful in meeting those opportunities? We've been talking in our Wednesday, men's, Wednesday night men's Bible study about the, the importance of, of presence and proximity, of, of finding ourselves with people, all with the intent of living out the Christian life, sure, but of lifting up the good news about Jesus to those who are around us, being present and, and being conscious of, of proximity, of being with others. When it comes to the harvest, Billy Graham writes this, the evangelistic harvest is always urgent. The destiny of men and of nations is always being decided. Every generation is strategic. We are not responsible for past generations, and we cannot bear full responsibility for the next one. But we do have our generation. God will hold us responsible as to how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this our age and take advantage of our opportunities. Let it not be said of us that we let the fruit of God's harvest spoil in the field. What is needed are laborers to head out into the field and to bring in the harvest. In a lot of ways, I feel like this generation has lost a sense of urgency when it comes to such things. I feel like that we have traded a, a lot of things that just a, a generation ago were, were pretty much the fabric of our faith. Revivals were, were the thing just a, a few years ago. There were music festivals and, and, and camps that sought to win kids to Christ. There were plenty of training seminars that sought to prepare God's faithful to reach out. We just sort of stopped talking about evangelism and soon after stopped doing it. Maybe as we consider evangelistic outreach, maybe, maybe today small groups are the thing where where we're not just insular in our small groups, but that we are inviting new people to our small groups, that we're dividing our small groups to make room for new people to be a part of those small groups. Maybe mission opportunities are the thing where, where people are, are, are truly engaged as they are in fact reaching out, or we are going to the mission field and we find ourselves uh, connecting, being present, looking to lift up the good news of Christ. 
And then, of course, when it comes to, to reaching out evangelistically, one-on-one, being with a person, coming alongside them, living life together, this becomes the, the crux of being able to win others to, to Jesus. Consider these two songs, one much older than the other. First hear the words from the old hymn, Bringing in the Sheaves. It's, it's more than a song that, that we, we sing at Thanksgiving. It has to do with the, the harvest Jesus talks about in winning people to God's kingdom. Sowing in the sunshine, sowing in the shadows, fearing neither clouds nor winter's chilling breeze. By and by the harvest and the labor ended. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Hear this song from, that's, that from a more present time. It's a, it's a song by the Newsboys. We, it's a group that we had all the time at, at New Song, that Christian music festival that I was a part of for years and years. The Newsboys song that I reference is Not Ashamed. Hear what they say. What are we sneaking around for? Who are we trying to please? Shrugging off sin, apologizing like we're spreading some kind of disease. I say, no way. No way. I'm not ashamed to let you know. I want the light in me to show. I'm not ashamed to speak the name of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. There are all sorts of reasons why people are hesitant to share their faith. And it all boils down to fear. People fear they, they may do more harm than good, that they won't know what to say. They won't be able to give snappy answers to tricky questions if those tricky questions come. People fear because they, they, they make sense that they come across as, as, as bigoted or others will, will view them as such. They may invade somebody's privacy. They may even be branded as, uh, as a hypocrite. Fear is very much a, a, a part of the hesitancy and caution that we, uh, we employ when it comes to standing and offering a good word in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's be honest. Fear and timidity hold us back when it comes to sharing the gospel. We are uncertain how we will be received. No one likes to be rejected or ridiculed or regarded as different. And sure, those things may come, but, but more than likely as we reach out in love, as we have been in relationship, those things won't be a part. We'll find ourselves in good and honest dialogue, maybe even ending in a prayer of decision. Let me encourage you about your spiritual self-esteem. Remember, God has claimed you. God has claimed you as His child. You are a child of God. God has saved you through Jesus Christ. 
and guides you all along the way in the power of the Holy Spirit. God will not leave you to yourself when speaking to another about Jesus. In fact, God honors that encounter with his presence. Rest assured, his power will be at work. We have no reason to be of low self-esteem when it comes to presenting the good news about Jesus. Remember, God is with us. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So what then does uh, go look like these days? What does go look like? It doesn't have to translate necessarily into going halfway across the world, although it very well may mean that for you. It could be, though, that when we try to discern what go means in everyday life, it very well may mean going to a family member, to a neighbor just across the street, to a co-worker who works just across the office, or to a classmate who is in a, in a desk just next to us. Going will most certainly mean moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. It will also mean moving outside your comfort zone. You can be assured of that, that it will, be, it will mean moving outside your comfort zone to the place where you can do no other but trust in God to give you the right words, to give you the right actions. But as we've said all along, moving to that place where we can do no other but trust in God is the very place that God wants us to be. D.T. Niles was a great theologian and evangelist from India. He says this about sharing the good news about Jesus. He says that it is simply a matter of one hungry beggar telling another hungry beggar where to find food. That's pretty much it. God does the rest. God does the rest as we consider people being one to God's kingdom. After all, the fields are white for the harvest, and all that is needed are laborers to bring the harvest in. So how interesting that as uh, Jesus meets with the woman at the well, that they talk about water, about living water. And upon moving from that great scene, Jesus encounters his disciples who are talking about food, and Jesus then, uh, in, 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 in turning that conversation, talks about uh, doing the very will of his heavenly Father and about fields being white for the harvest. And, and as we're talking about food, we, we find ourselves uh, encountering this table, a table that uh, presents itself with, with good food for the road ahead, our very sustenance sustenance that moves us forward to be God's people in God's wor world 
seeking to lift up the good news that is Christ for all the world. And so as we come to this table, we come with trust that what we, uh, what we share in today does in fact give us strength, power, the inspiration to move forward and to lift up the good news of Christ to all who are around us. So this is an important encounter. As we come to Christ's table, God is faithful to be present in these elements that fill us to the overflowing, to the end that we may go and share the good news urgently and with deep inspiration, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's not be ashamed. May the Lord bless us all.